Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Good morning, New Life Church. Um, We're so glad that you have joined us today online, uh, participating in our services. Uh, Kathy and I want to thank everyone for your prayers um, for the last couple weeks. We're doing so much better. God is so faithful. Um, At this time, if I can do anything, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a few moments and have all of us join together in prayer for those that are still struggling with the COVID virus. They Certainly, they need our our prayers, and and we need God's hand in their life. So if you'd just bow your heads with me just for a moment, uh, we'll go before the Lord. Father, we, we come before you right now in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you so much. God, for all that you're doing, and we thank you, God, for your power, your grace in our lives. And Father, we pray, God, for those right now that are struggling in their health with the COVID virus. Father, we pray that your hand of healing would be upon them. Father, we declare them healed in Jesus' name. Father, we pray that your word would go forth and touch them and minister to them. Jesus, we thank you that your body was broken to pay the price for our healing. And so we receive it today, we apply it to their lives, and we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe God's going to do a great work in your life. And so if you're watching today and you are struggling with the virus, uh, we just want you to know that we're praying for you and that God is moving. Don't give up. Don't get bummed out. Just let God have his work, and he's going to bring you through this, and you will be on the other side. Amen. Before we get uh, started this morning, um, I do have an announcement. Unfortunately, uh, we will not be coming back into in-person services until Sunday the 27th. Our Wednesday Christmas Eve Eve service will be online only. Our plan is to be back in person at both the 8.30 and the 10.30 service on Sunday, the 27th. So let's just believe God that we can pull that off and that uh, everybody is getting better and that uh, God's hand of protection is upon us so that we can once again meet as a church. Amen. Praise God. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me over to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse number 5. We'll get to that here in just a moment. This morning, I want to continue on with the thought that we looked at two weeks ago. If you remember, uh, the last time that I spoke to you, I ministered out of James chapter 4, verse 7, that says this. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, how many know this morning that the devil must be resisted? We must take a stand against him. So often what I see in many Christians' lives is, the, is a willingness to negotiate, as it were, with the devil. It's as if we are content to come to some agreement with him in order to stop his attacks. Now, I know this morning that none of us would ever put it that way, but often because of the fact that we don't take a hold of the thoughts and don't take a hold of, of the, the things that the devil is doing, the stands that he's making against us, oftentimes we unwittingly 
come into agreement with him. But the Bible clearly instructs us that we need to resist the devil. See, the problem with the devil is that he's a liar. So any negotiation, any agreement that we would ever come to, even passively, he's going to break that promise. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He never keeps his word. He always violates his promises. And he will agree with you. Now listen, he will agree with you long enough to entrap you. And there's only one way to deal with the devil, and that is to resist him at every turn. Now remember, now remember this morning that the series title is called A Strategy for Victory. And the reason that I'm preaching this today, the reason that I'm speaking to you and reminding you of this is because there's too many people that are falling victim to the strategy, the lies, the attacks of hell. We are better than this. God has given us a plan for victory. God has poured out his grace upon us that we could rise above this. We do not have to fall prey to the strategy of the enemy. And I want you to know that there is good news. There is good news for this because there is great grace in the midst of this battle that God wants to pour out upon us. If you remember what I said a couple weeks ago, that James was telling us that if we're going to be recipients of that great grace, then we must come to a place of humility and therefore submit ourselves to God. The key to effectively resisting the devil begins by being completely submitted to God. And what I mean by that, what I mean by submission, is that we're choosing not to control our situations, even if we can. But instead, we are coming to a place where we trust completely in the authority, the wisdom, and the power of God. We put our lives underneath God, his authority, his wisdom, and his power. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, the Bible says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. This is such a powerful verse. Listen to that. He says, humble yourself. It is an act of humility to surrender in trust. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 3. It's a verse that I quote often. Verse number 5, Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In other words, we have got to give up the desire to try to figure all this stuff out. But what we do is we acknowledge him in all our way, and the Bible promises that he will direct our path. So the Bible's telling us today that we must humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and it's at that point that we can cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. The greatest example of this for you and I is Jesus himself. See, Jesus lived a life that was completely submitted to his Father. He only did what he saw the Father do. He only said what he heard the Father say. And you and I need to follow his example, even in the moment of his greatest crisis when he was facing crucifixion. He prayed. He said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. 
See, when we submit to God, we bring ourselves into victory. Even though that moment for Jesus looked like a horrific moment, he was about to take on the sins of the world, the reality is it was the pathway to victory, not only for him but for you and I. Victory was won by submitting to the will of God. Here is the overriding truth this morning. It's when you and I deliberately and willfully submit ourselves to him and walk in humility that we are empowered and that we are strengthened to stand against the devil. It is in that place where grace is poured out and we have the power to resist the strategy of the enemy. Now before I move on into our our thought for today, I want to remind you of one more thing because I think this is very important this morning. James tells us that we're to resist the devil. Now the word devil is the translation of a word which means more of a job description than a name. See, the word devil means to repetitiously throw something, striking again and again and again until the object that is being struck has finally been completely penetrated. See, the devil, his job is to come to assault our minds, not once, but many times. He strikes our minds, he strikes our emotions, he strikes our spirits over and over and over again. He just keeps on striking until he wears our resistance down. Then as soon as we let down our resistance, we let down our guard, the devil gives one last punch and he finally succeeds in penetrating our mind. And once the devil has gained access into our mind, he begins to assault us on every area of our life. He assaults us with lies. Because remember, the only thing that the devil can do is lie. The only power he has is the power to deceive. He uses his power of deception against us. He lies to us that when we believe those lies, he begins to siphon off from our lives the power that God has given us. And then he turns that power back upon us and uses it against us. He comes against us over and over and over again. And if we live listen to those lies, and we believe those lies, then the devil can successfully build a stronghold in our lives where he can begin to control and manipulate us in ways that are unthinkable. Now, no doubt we have all fallen victim to this battle. But I want you to know this morning, there is hope. The reason I'm preaching this today is because God has not left us helpless. He has given us a strategy. And the sermon that we we talked about a couple weeks ago was the fact that God said, submit to me and resist the devil, and the devil will flee. Not maybe, he will flee. If we submit to God and resist the devil, the devil will flee. So there is hope. But I want to go on with this thought a little bit further this morning and take this to another level. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse number 3 and going through verse number 5, the Bible gives us some instruction about this whole thing. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty 
in God. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that even though we're still in this flesh, we're still subject to the laws and the rules of this world, the reality is we have a spiritual power that transcends and goes beyond our flesh, and it's mighty in God. We have weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but they're mighty in God, and they are for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, that is a powerful statement, and that should give us lots of hope. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in this passage is the fact that we are in a battle, and that battle is being waged in our mind. It's a battle for the mind, and it's being fought in the mind of every person that is alive today. In the mind of every person, there is a continual war being waged. Every doubt, every fear, every moment of unbelief, every season of temptation, every lust, every frustration, every insecurity is a battle that is being fought in the mind. Hell knows if he can assault your mind, he can assault you in every aspect of your life. Listen to me. When you get angry with someone, the battle is in the mind. When you are worried and fearful, the battle is in the mind. When you are drawn away and enticed with temptation, the battle is is in the mind. When you are feeling unwanted, alone, or insecure, the battle is in the mind. The strategy of hell is to move our minds away from faith to unbelief, to move us from spirituality to carnality, to move us from heavenly to earthly, to turn us from truth to a lie. And the goal is to gain control to manipulate our thinking, to influence our minds. The strategy of hell is to build a stronghold in our lives where hell can continually wage war against us. A stronghold this morning, by definition, is a place of defense. It is a place that has been established to protect an invasion force. I want you to think about this with me for a moment because in the Bible days, a stronghold was a walled city. It was a fortress. It was a castle. It was where a large army could hide and be protected. It's a place where the enemy could rest in between offensive strikes. In modern warfare, if you, if you think about the, the kind of warfare that we hear about in Iraq and Afghanistan and different parts of the world, if you, if you think about the news reports that you've heard, you've probably heard about a, a, a statement that's been made about a FOB or a forward operating base. And that's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a forward operating base. And it's from those forward operating bases or those strongholds where an army operates strategic missions against its enemy. 
So think about it for a moment. We, we have all over the Middle East, we have these forward operating bases where the United States military are housed. It's a place of protection. They're, they're safe there. They're, 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 they're free within the walls of the FOB or the forward operating base. But from time to time, they will go out and they will do different missions in different areas. Well, this is exactly how the devil operates in our life. He sets up a forward operating base, as it were, in our mind. He builds a stronghold so that he can operate against our lives from within our own mind and our own spirit. In a spiritual context, a stronghold really is that place that has uh, been given to the devil. He's built that place. He's taken over that place. And that, that place has been built out of lies and deception. The lies that the devil sows into our mind and that he speaks to us, they form the foundation and the walls of the stronghold. It's any thought or any imagination or any reasoning or any argument that is contrary to the Word of God or the nature of God. They literally become the material that is used to construct these strongholds. And the enemy inhabits the places, these places of deception, launching attack after attack after attack against us. Now I want you to think about this because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 it says give no place to the devil. And this is what we do. What happens is we listen to lies. We listen. This is how the devil operates. Slowly but surely, he gains access to our lives, methodically sowing lies that are seasoned with enough truth to make them seem believable or right. Now, I want you to think about that because this is the sinisterness of the devil's tactic because the devil will always come to you with a lie that seems plausible. It's a lie that has enough truth that makes it believable. It may, we, we look at that lie and we think, oh, that makes sense. I understand that. Certainly, that's reasonable. It creates an imagination that it's like, huh, I believe that's true. It has enough truth to it, but inside it's a lie. And he sows those lies, all the while we're being slowly but surely deceived, and a stronghold is built. First, the devil sows lies about who we are in Christ. He comes against our identity. He begins to question what Jesus has actually done in our life. He begins to throw condemnation and shame, ridicule, criticism. He begins to speak against the work of God in our life. He begins to remind us of our past. How could God love you? How could God care about you? How could God do anything for you? Who are you to even think that anything will be done for you? Why would you think your prayers are going to be answered? And those lies begin to come against us. They begin to move against our mind. Sometimes what happens is the devil will begin to come against the identity of who God is. Things will happen in our life. We will pray. We'll believe God. We'll stand in faith. We'll find a scripture that we begin to quote and, and, and stand on, but there's a delay. 
all of a sudden there's time passing before the answer to our prayer comes. And the devil comes and he says, see, God's not going to do what he said. See, God's not going to move for you. We begin to change our theology. We come up with what we call accommodating theology to accommodate the lie. This is the negotiation. And what the devil's doing is he is building a stronghold. And what we must do is we must come against that. We must come against that and resist the lie. See, when we begin to question God, we've got to ask ourselves, why am I questioning this? We have to go back to the Word and say, what does the truth tell me? What does the Word of God tell me? What is true about God? Because once the devil has successfully distorted our understanding about who we are, about who God is, he now has a place of defense. He has a stronghold, a beachhead. He has a forward operating base where he can assault every area of our life. Let's for a moment go back and look at the very first temptation in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, in the midst of this temptation, Satan is subtly challenging the nature of God, isn't he? Satan simply asks Eve a strategic question, a question that is designed to distort who God is. Eve believes the lie. She believes that there's something that God has not done for her. She believes that something was missing. She believed that she was lacking. This is amazing to me because think about it. Eve is a perfect human being created in perfection, perfect in every way, living in a perfect environment with a perfect relationship with God. Yet, a lie was sown into her life, and she began to believe that lie. The lie convinced her that God was not who he said he was, that somehow he was holding out, that somehow there was more to be had, and the result was that she alienated herself from the very life of God. She abandoned the promises and the power that made it possible for her to live in that place of paradise. The moment Eve believed the lie the devil had sown into her life, she gave the devil a place. He had a stronghold, and she began to be driven by fear rather than faith. The same thing happens to us. We believe lies about ourselves. We believe lies about who God is. And the problem is they have truth to them. Sometimes they seem plausible. Sometimes they make sense. But, and sometimes they are very hard to ignore because oftentimes they come from our life. They come from our own life, our past, our hurts, our wounds, the pain that we have experienced. They come from our culture or our relationships, the opinions and expectations of others. They, they come from our own dysfunction and sin and failures and setbacks in life. Sometimes they are the problems that we face or the difficulties and struggles that 
that we are going through. Sometimes it's our own ignorance of truth or misinformation or distraction or our own carnality. But these lies will make sense. These lies will come. That's why we have to stand against it. We have to resist the devil. We have to submit to God, resist the devil, and then understand that the weapons that we have are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pull down the strongholds that have been built in our lives where the enemy continually attacks us from. Now, there is only one defense to all of this. There is only one thing that is the antidote to these kinds of lies, and that is the truth. The Bible says in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now I want you to listen to this for a moment, because this verse has a lot to say. He says, if you will abide in my word, if you will live in my word, if you will make a habitation in my word. In other words, church, his word has to be paramount. Everything in our life has to be judged on the scale of his word. Whatever thought we are having, whatever we are thinking must be brought back to the Word. Listen, church, not every thought you think is your own thought. Not every thought that you get is God's thought. Sometimes it's hell. Sometimes it's the devil that is striking again and again and again, hoping to penetrate, to land, to build a stronghold. That's why we have to take this this word, we have to take these lies back to the word, and we have to say, wait a second, does this hold up to the word? Sometimes people have come to me and they feel like, they've told me, they've said, you know, I just don't feel like God cares about me, or I, I just don't feel like God's working for me. The reality is, take that back to the Word. Does that fit in the Word? Sometimes we, we hear things in our own mind like, I'm a failure. I will never amount to anything. I, I can never go any further. This is as good as it gets. Well, does that hold up to the Word of God? Is, the, is that what the Word of God says? No, it doesn't. The Word of God says that you're highly favored. The Word of God says that you're the head and not the tail. You're the above and not the beneath. The Word of God says that you are His child. You are His son. You are His daughter. The Word of God says that you're royalty. Somewhere those things have to mean something to us. Those things have to become a reality. We have to think on those things. He says, abide in my word. When we live in the Word, then the Bible says that we are His disciples. We are not just merely following, but we are living as He lived. We are being changed and transformed by His Word. And He says, as a result, you will know the truth. You will know it. You won't just have information, but you will have an intimacy with the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. Just like the smallest flicker from a candle, the smallest flame from the smallest candle, that light can penetrate the deepest darkness. Why? Because light always overpowers darkness. Truth 
always overpowers lie and deception. Truth is the antidote. That's why we have to come back to a place of the Word of God. Now this morning, I want to take this just a little bit further. And I want you to think about this because I believe that this is important that we get this down, that we really get this into our spirits. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it's a very familiar portion, you know it. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A renewed mind begins with surrender the Holy Spirit. So when we talk in context of how do we keep these strongholds out, how do we keep these lies, how do we keep this deception, all of these things from happening, we really have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need a renewed mind. And a renewed mind begins with surrender to the Holy Spirit. It's partnership between you and the Holy Spirit. That's why these two verses, this verse in, in James chapter 4, verse 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and then this verse in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 5, why these passages go together. Because it's when we submit to Holy Spirit, it's we submit in relationship and partner with Him that our minds are protected. See, renewing our mind this morning is not just simply changing our thoughts, but it's giving the Holy Spirit full authority over the spirit of our mind. It's giving Him authority. As we yield to Him and fill our mind with Him, He transforms every area of our life. This is why the very first step in a renewed mind is a relationship with Holy Spirit. It's a relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's a relationship with Jesus because it's through that relationship that we are given deeper and deeper revelation of Him and of ourselves. We know the truth. We walk in intimacy with the truth that sets us free. See, that revelation penetrates every part of our spirit, every part of our mind, transforming every part of our life. See, having a renewed mind is more than the ability to quote Scripture. Having a renewed mind is seeing from a divine perspective. It's being able to take the Word of God and using that is the lens through which we see life. It's the Word of God that is, is the, the standard for all that we do, having a divine perspective. A renewed mind is thinking with the mind of Christ and being partakers of the divine nature. Think about that for a moment. Scripture tells us that we have the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ, the mind of God, that we can think like God thinks. And then it tells us that we are partakers of the divine nature, that we can act and live like God lives. This is powerful, church. 
This is what the devil wants to keep us from. That's why he wants to create these strongholds is because then he can keep us stuck in carnality. He can keep us stuck in negative and bad habits. He can keep us stuck in sin and temptation. He can keep us stuck in a warfare where we spend all the resources of our life trying to overcome him. Somewhere, church, what we have to do is surrender. Somewhere what we got to do is let go. We got to, you know, the old saying, it's very cliche-ish. And sometimes it's, it's, it, it, we say it and we don't understand what we're saying. But we need to let go and let God. We need to let go and let God. We need a renewal. We need a renewed mind. And that renewal begins when we intentionally and consistently surrender our mind over to the power of the Holy Spirit by steadfastly focusing on the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, I want to give you, as I bring this to a close today, I want to give you three practical things that we can do that will help us in this endeavor. Number one, is to control the spirit of our mind. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 16, the Bible says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. That means to get ready for battle. It means get ready to move, get prepared, tied up, those loose ends. In other words, if there are areas that you're being assaulted in, if there are areas where the devil is pushing in and he's attacking, find the truth. Find the truth and resist the devil. Sit back and push back. Tell the devil he's talking to you. Tell him what the Bible says. He tells you what he thinks. You tell him what God thinks. Push back with the Word of God. Peter is telling us that we must be ready for battle. It's, it's, it really goes back to surrender, doesn't it? It really goes back to trusting in the Word of God. He also tells us in this context to be sober. In some translations, it, it says to be sober-minded. Literally, it means not to be drunk or to be intoxicated. In other words, what he's encouraging us to do is to discipline our thinking. We have to bring, the Bible tells us in our text, to bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. In other words, taking that thought, any thought that you have, bring it to Christ and say, you're going to submit to the truth of the Word of God. You're going to submit to this. That's what God wants us to do. That's how we control the spirit of our mind. The second thing that we need to do is control what influences our life. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now, we understand he's talking about the heart, but the heart also could include the mind here in the sense that the way we think, our will, the place and the seat of our decision-making, all that we do. He says, keep it, protect it. In other words, don't let ungodly influence. Church, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is the thing that is influencing me, is it healthy? 
Should I let this influence me? Are the people that I'm hanging around, if you're hanging around people that are continually negative, maybe you need to lighten that up a little bit. If you're hanging around people that constantly want to come against the Word of God, or if you're hanging around and listening to things that are anti-Christ or they are anti-God, maybe what we ought to do is push that aside. It can be in those things that seem very simple. It can be in those things that even seem harmless. But sometimes what happens is they begin to influence us in ways that make us vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Because what it does is it desensitizes us. When we have been desensitized, we no longer can resist. Because we don't know to resist. Because now we accept it as being normal. And so we've got to control what influences our minds. And the third and final thing is what you cultivate dominates. In other words, what you pay attention to, you create a passion for. You see, sometimes people spend all their life paying attention to things that really they ought not to pay attention to. We meditate on the negative. We think about the failure. We think about the mistakes. We take a lot of time to to think about those things in our life that really aren't all that healthy. And we pay attention to it. We create um, literally a place for the devil to assault us. We create a place for him to come in and lie and to deceive us. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Church, we've talked about it over and over again. I know that I've preached on it many times about meditation. The Bible talks about meditation as the pathway to good health. It talks about it in Psalms chapter 1. It says that when we meditate on the law of God, the word of God, that we are like a tree whose leaf does not wither that we are always planted by the river of water. The Bible talks about God giving instruction to Joshua. He said, if you will meditate on the law, if you'll meditate on my word, he says, then you will make your way successful and your way prosperous. Church, we have got to train ourselves to meditate on the right things. So don't forget this morning, control the spirit of your mind. Control what influences your life. And cultivate the thing that you truly want to dominate. Cultivate the Word of God in the spirit of your mind. The Bible tells us to submit to God. That's the first step. We submit. We surrender. We let go. Then we rise up and we resist the devil. Because now we're not operating in our strength. We're operating in a grace that empowers us to stand against him. And when those lies come in, when he begins to assault us, we're given truth. We're giving truth because we have, we have learned to abide in the Word of God. We are learning to abide in the Word. And that truth rises up and stands against the lies. And then what we do is we do our due diligence by controlling what we think about, controlling what influences us, controlling the meditation of our mind, controlling what we pay attention to. If we'll do that, we'll be victorious. It is a strategy for victory in these last days. 
There's all kinds of confusion going on in this world. There's all kinds of thoughts. We are hearing people, Christians to non-Christians, predicting what the future is. Only God knows. But if we will trust him, if we will have his mind and his nature, we will win. We will win. Praise God. I hope that has helped you today. I hope that you've been encouraged by that. I just want to uh, tell you how much we appreciate you and we love you. Remember uh, our Christmas Eve Eve service, which is going to be on this coming Wednesday. We will not be in person. Uh, we are going to be online only, and we'll be coming back to in-person services on Sunday the 27th, so mark that down. We love you, we appreciate you, and we just want to tell you how much uh, uh, we're believing God for you. So you know what? God bless you today. You guys have a great day, and we will see you on Sunday the 27th. God bless. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.